This is Project Challenge with your host, Doug Lund. Keeping the D in challenge, joined tonight by not only Eric G. Hollis, but Tyler Run, TRG Glaze. Did I get that right? You got that exactly right. Taping tonight in the Bit Cave, following Guardians of the Galaxy this evening. Thank you both. I know it's been a really long day. Been on the mic for six plus hours at this point. And uh, again, I really appreciate you sitting down to be able to, to do this so that we can not only get a project challenged out this week, but get to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy. And thank you also for biting your tongues up until this moment. I have waited. I sat downstairs wanting to say so much. <laughs> well, let it all out. <laughs> uh, I mean, overall, what did you guys think? I liked it. Was it as good as the first one? No, but I think because we've seen the first one, it really couldn't have been. Those characters weren't a surprise anymore. I liked the fact that they really focused on story. There was a lot of character buildup and interaction in the movie. I don't know about you guys, but... Oh, and by the way, if you're listening right now, you are going to get a shit ton of spoilers. So we should. Have, Thank if you. If you haven't seen if you haven't seen the movie, we're, yeah, we're going to talk about it because all three of us have seen it. So please, if you haven't seen it, wait and listen to this uh, afterwards. It felt like a really good episode of Star Trek to me. The Living Planet, that's how it felt to me. I felt like I was watching a really great episode of Star Trek. All of the actors... Did phenomenal, especially uh, Dave Batista. Wow, stole the whole movie. I think I thought so too. So that's something I did get to talk a little bit on my ride home because I wasn't with you guys, and I wanted to get Toma's opinion because he was with us, so I could bring it up here. And he also said he didn't think it was as good as the first one, and I'm gonna kind of disagree a little bit. Uh, but Dave Batista was one of my favorite parts, and I found that. He was the one that was kind of lacking in the first one for me. So I really like what they did with his character in this one. I'm going to agree with Tyler. I think a lot of people are going to to say, ah, it wasn't as good as the first one. I think it was better for a lot of reasons. I think this is Gunn really dropping all the shackles and doing exactly what he wants to do. And there was some things that uh, were really bold that were done in this movie and you're either going to like them or you're going to hate them there's not going to be a lot of people in between but the colors the visuals the dialogue was fucking on point you mentioned the the character development the longer i watched it the more i started to feel like this is a very personal experience that that we're getting to watch here i I think he did a great fucking job yeah so maybe i wasn't paying too much attention or i didn't calculate it right what is the time period after the first one that this takes place? Obviously, a couple months, a year? I don't know exactly. Well, you get the sense that it hasn't been too long. I'm with Doug. I mean, I don't think it's been a week, but maybe like a month later. I mean, they're obviously out as a team. They're taking, you know, jobs right. from pretty high, you know, high up people. So you would think that it'd be in a little bit of time. But it feels like it's been enough time to where, you know, if you had spent that much time in that close of a proximity with people, you're going to learn everything about them. And I really felt like these characters knew everything about each other. As much as is possible, I, I think, while leaving enough for <laughs> something to play out on, on the screen, yeah. it was enough time for someone to put a piece of tape underneath the spacesuits and write, and fun. That's true. And that doesn't happen you know, in the first few weeks after you save the galaxy. I don't think so either. Toma's biggest disappointment, he said, is they broke every serious part with a joke. And I said, I disagree. There were tons of serious parts, but you just focused on the jokes because they wrote them so well. That is kind of Gunn's rhythm, though. There were a lot of scenes where I could tell by the, either the way the camera moved or the pause in the dialogue. I was like, here comes the joke multiple times. And to Toma's point, I don't have a problem with it, though. I like 
when you take a great dramatic scene and you button it with humor. It takes a little bit of the air out of the room. It's great screenwriting, to Doug's point. And Gunn did write and direct this movie. It was a very personal movie for him. I mean, shit, look at the part he gave his uh, his brother. He took that part from the first movie, and his brother was like seventh build in that flick as far as lines of dialogue and shit. Yeah, by the end, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he made him a major uh, character. I think the story was very personal to Gunn. It's not fair to say, like, and, and I shouldn't have said that it wasn't as good as the first movie. I don't know if it, it it just wasn't as surprising to me as the first movie. It was a more it was a more serious tale. And what the fuck it was Sylvester Stallone even doing in the movie? That's the one part of it that was totally wasted. I was like, you didn't need that character at all unless you're setting up part three. And maybe they are or maybe he'll play somewhat of a bigger part because of the stinger in, you know, not necessarily a three Although I do think it would be best used in a three and not in something like the Infinity Gauntlet. I was going to ask, was that collection of people? Because there were some major actors in there besides Stallone. Ving Rhames. Was it Ving Rhames? Wasn't that Ving Rhames? I think it was. Okay, so yes. (laughs) I can't believe I fucking forgot Ving Rhames. I don't, you know, I don't know. Michael no. Clark Duncan is dead, guys. Yeah, so I'm pretty is. sure that was Ving Rhames. It was Ving Rhames. So, how does Ving Rhames show up in the last five minutes of your movie and that not be a setup for something? I think so, too. And I don't know. That's the only part of the movie that I felt was uh, I look a lot for wasted time, like shit that doesn't either move the plot forward or is very important to the characters in the story. And that's the one thing that stuck out to me. I was like, Stallone had three lines of dialogue. I guess it did kind of took the Yondu character and kind of explained a little bit more of his backstory. So maybe that's why he was there. It felt like a lot of the uh, five stingers with two were jokes and three were meant to set up the future. We got Adam Warlock. Yeah. Is who she was talking about. I'm sure every, I don't know a lot about Adam Warlock. I know what he looks like, but that's definitely who golden gamer was talking about. Right. Yeah, that's for sure. But I didn't, (laughs) Right? Aren't they the Golden Gamers? That's what they... I mean, they didn't fly any of those ships. They were sitting there playing video games. I think that was a that was commentary on our culture. In, maybe maybe oh, yeah. I'm reading way into it. But. Oh, no. I, I think that was apparent. I think that's okay, though. I think there was a lot of commentary based on that culture into our culture <laughs> about how they think they're so perfect and they don't want to be put in harm's way. And so they do all this stuff to purposely avoid any harm to any of them. The carpet joke was brilliant. Yeah. Can one of you look up right now who played the head bitch of the, as Eric so eloquently put, the Golden Gamers? That that was great. That's what I was laughing at. That that name is perfect. And Tyler, to your point about the issue Tomei had raised with the serious scenes being quote unquote ruined by, by, jokes. by jokes, that's how some people deal with difficult situations. Uh, it, it's not just a, a storytelling mechanism. It's also a coping mechanism. I actually really like that you brought that up because that's straight what I said to him. I said, everyone right now takes everything so seriously. And if you can break that up by throwing in a joke, to me, I lost no emotion over the last 15 to 20 minutes of that whole movie. There was no emotion lost. But there were still good jokes in it, and it, it kind of eased it up. The final scene with the uh, the funeral was amazing. And that only works if Michael Rooker doesn't absolutely just fucking nail that character. And that is exactly the kind of character you give to him. Uh, Hats off to to Gunn again, because he walks this line so often between uh, over the top and heavy hitting emotional. It's something Rooker has done again and again, uh, especially recently, very well. So 
I love him as an actor. He's one of those guys I'll watch him in almost anything. I've always liked him. I think he's a great actor, and I think he's one of those actors people call a character actor. I think that that sells Michael Rooker short. He's he's phenomenal, and arguably the best actor in in the film we we just saw. It's hard to call Dave Bautista a great actor. He definitely was given the best lines in the movie, and compared to what I've seen him in before. And what he's doing in the Guardians of the Galaxy right now, he he turned into pretty fucking solid performance. He was also in um, the Riddick film, right? That's Dave Bautista. The newest Riddick film. I didn't see it. Okay, I think he was in that. And honestly, I see your point. He's not great in most stuff, but he honestly is He's pretty good. <laughs> I don't think I don't think he's as bad as everyone gives him shit for. Uh, the Golden Gamer head chick, her name is Elizabeth Debicki. What else has she been in? I was trying to place her. The Man from Uncle. Okay, that's why I thought it was uh, Rooney Mara. No, and as soon as you asked me that, I thought about it for five seconds, and I was like, nope, she would have been billed. We yeah, would've, we would have seen her name right, unless it was a surprise. This girl is is big too, though, so I must have just. Well, I didn't. I don't know her name, obviously, um, but I know who that is because she's. Uh, She's getting more popular. She's in. She was also in The Great Gatsby, a movie called Everest, probably about Mount Everest. <laughs> I think that's a great guess. <laughs> and a bunch of stuff that I don't know I, that I've ever really watched. Rake. Rake. It sounds German. Uh, and not a whole lot more. But she has a, a win and four nominations, so she's apparently pretty damn good. Well, those characters are obviously going to be back in three. We got the early setup for the Kurt Russell character, Quill's dad. Ego in this movie is, is who we, we find out who that actually is. I know shit about Guardians of the Galaxy, so I'm really just going off of movie canon, no book, lore in my head. What would you guys think about that storyline? I actually really liked it, and I thought they handled it really well. One of the other things that uh, Tomo was complaining about, he said, you know, when... We've already announced spoilers, but when uh, Peter Quill's father dies, why would it entirely dissipate his powers and abilities? And I, I was like, you know what? It's because the light's gone and everything, and and so what does he have to manipulate? But if he's a celestial and he could manipulate matter around him, why wouldn't he still be able to do that without his father's light? Because he's half celestial. Yeah, but still, you wouldn't lose being a celestial if your father died. That's like saying if your parents died, you lose those genes right his genes give him the ability to manipulate the light they don't allow him to generate it is how i interpreted it again i'm just going based off of what i saw on the screen yeah i i can get that and that's that's what i tried to tell him so i i understood it but i do think to a certain extent that they could pull that back at some point and they could say why can't he just manipulate some other small forms of matter or oh something? god dude if there's anything we learned in the marvel universe is that no one stays dead and that power will come back not when we least expect it, when it's most convenient to the story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably in, in the Infinity movies. <laughs> yeah. Which are coming up pretty quickly, and we got still no tie-ins with the Marvel Universe proper. I mean, I'm separating Cosmic from Planet Earth. No real tie-ins. Stan Lee was revealed, though, to be the Watcher we have always thought he was, which I thought <laughs> was a very, very good beat in the story. We finally got to see Marvel's watcher like what the watchers look like which i thought was really cool i thought that was neat but yeah that scene right there completely alludes to the fact that every time you've seen stan lee in a marvel universe movie 
he's there as the watcher and what a, what a great way to what a to great write. way to put to yeah. put stan in the universe and i don't know if that was the intention originally but props to fucking james gunn for picking that and picking up on like i, I guess a fan theory you would say and really making it special and really making it work well and stanley's old so that is a cool way to put him in to the whole marvel universe and say look Stanley will always be part of this. Yeah. Wasn't a cameo. He was a character. Yeah. But takes it to a, a fucking meta level that heretofore had not existed. Yeah. What'd you guys think about the soundtrack? That's one of the places I thought was a little lacking. Some of it was really good, but I just thought the soundtrack from the first movie had a lot more heavy hitters. Heavy hitters, yes. The the chain is one of my favorite, not only Fleetwood Mac songs, but like one of my favorite songs ever, you know, Rumors is one of my favorite albums. But I think, again, I started off thinking, oh, God, these songs, really? And then the further it went on, I'm like, well, this is James Gunn's movie. This this is us getting a, a glimpse in, into his head. If these are the songs that he thinks need to be used to tell this story, fuck it. I'm not going to judge. Not as catchy, though. Yeah, not as catchy for sure. But I think they tied in a little bit better with the story. What I will say is I am not going to get you Awesome Mix Volume 2. Uh, if you want it, you'll have to get it yourself. You need to get me a Zune. Oh, yeah, a Zune. Great joke. That was <laughs> a great joke. It was, uh, yeah, there there was a couple really good jokes in the movie, and that was one of them. Uh, and that's one of those things where, like, it was a joke. It was a serious moment, but it was a joke, and it played so well into everything that had gone on. I thought uh, Baby Groot was a little overused, but then the 14-year-old girl sitting next to me, that was her favorite part of the entire movie, so maybe that's why. <laughs> maybe that's why it's there. Jesus Christ! I could hear every time Baby Groot showed up. Yep. Oh, oh! Thank God I wasn't on your guys' side of the. I took one for the, the team tonight. Yeah, sitting on the end. I took one for the fucking team. You guys sat me right in the middle. You must like me. I I would have much preferred listening to fucking. Teeny Bopper Groot Lover over fucking Whooping Cough having child on the other end of our row. I didn't hear uh, fucking Kafahanas until the end of the movie, but once I once I fucking heard her, I was like, oh my god, man. You know, it, the crowd wasn't... I mean, it's a Saturday night opening weekend, guys. This is the kind of shit you're, you're gonna have to deal with. I, I hate to say it, but... Yeah. To your point, though, while he was in a lot of scenes, and they did use him as kind of just a cute factor, he didn't say, I am Groot, near as much as Groot did in the first movie. Teenager Groot was a great. That was that was, and you'd have to assume. I mean, I don't know how fast Groot grows, so think about it that way. That's what we need to figure out. How fast does Groot age? That'll tell you how far the movies are apart. Oh, that's a good point. Well, he didn't really age that much until that stinger at the end. So time has definitely passed between then and now. But from him being in the pot yeah. and him being Titus, yeah, like how, how much, dude? Tell me, baby Groot, it's Titus. Uh, all of his emotions and everything, they definitely captured a child perfectly. A hundred percent, I thought. When bad stuff was happening to him, I was like, oh my God, why would they do this to a kid? <laughs> like, it, it was seriously just striking me because you're right. It, it was a child. It was Titus. It was. I can tell you why. I am Groot. <laughs> we, we are Groot. <laughs> so, yeah, rewinding to the beginning of the movie, the opening sequence. Was fantastic. And just dancing around. Set the tone for the entire movie. We're getting something a little different here. Yeah, I love the opening sequence because you get the traditional action beat, but that was that was the background. Yep. I thought it was really well done. I mean, it's just no shocker that they're bringing Gunn back to do part three. I mean, this is kind of his 
these are his characters now. I don't know how well they compare to the comic book versions because I never read it. I really don't care at this point. It, in my opinion, this is Guardians of the Galaxy. This is the canon that I will uh, that I'll live by. Well, and to your point, they have rebooted Guardians now, and I think they follow these characters almost exactly. That's true. So in the new Guardians books, yeah, these are the characters that they're based off. You you will get the same feeling from the new books that you do from these movies. I like the team. I like the idea of it. I like that it's completely set in space. I had a lot of fun with it. I mean, it's one I'll definitely watch multiple more times. I, can Marvel do any wrong at this point? <laughs> I do start getting a stiffy when I think about Gunn and the, the Russo brothers sitting down to start writing shit together. I'm like full chub, not even half. <laughs> Imagine the things they can do together. The Russo, the Russo brothers yeah. used to be directors on Arrested Development and Community, and James Gunn was a trauma director and those guys are in charge of the marvel universe and they're knocking it out of the fucking park unlike fucking film school savant Zack snyder that fucking (laughs) (laughs) we won't even get into that though we're talking about guardians tonight so the milano's gone i don't think it's gone permanently i think the tool that rocket was using to repair it it suggested that it was going to be very easy to bring it back yeah and maybe he'll get a new milano i think that was a tool that was provided to them by the Novacore? The Novacore provided yeah. him for repairing the ship, so... I thought that was really cool, seeing the Novacore, and they did almost nothing with that. They did nothing with it in this movie. Right. And I, I thought for sure we would see Novacore, but no, not at all. I really thought so, too. We got the one mention when they said, oh, uh, we can't mess with them because the Novacore the Novacor will come after us. Yeah. And that's interesting, because wasn't Nova at one point part of the original... Uh, guardians books yes yeah so i i really think that nova may get a big part in the third it seems like they're going the adam warlock adam warlock is a huge part of the infinity series and so he'll definitely be brought into that and i think that's why they did this stinger but i think the nova core will hopefully be a, a big part of the third this is my guess i'm i'm anticipating something this felt like them tying up some loose ends like well we got to talk about quill's dad in this movie and clearly, they don't, they don't want Roker around for what happens next. Probably because they're running out of budget to pay all these fucking actors <laughs> that they have signed on. But it felt like they took a minute to answer some questions, to do a lot of character development, and then put them in shuffling their feet mode until we're ready to bring the Avengers in and, and line them all up for a big fucking baddie fight. Well, and I think Thor Ragnarok being placed mostly in space... Are we going to finally get Guardians to appear there? I think they have to at this point. I thought for sure, when I heard five stingers, I would have bet money. Okay, here we go. We're yeah. about to see something fucking cool. Thor, strange. Strange is what I, I thought. I thought they'd get Cumberbatch maybe to to show up. I, I see a lot of Cumberbatch at the end, obviously, of Strange, where he said, you know, I protect Earth from, you know, the, the magical realm. I didn't think he was going to go anywhere outside of you know earth until the infinity series but that would have been cool we still have not seen the guardians of the galaxy interact with everyone else yet not even a like a slight mention like hey guys did you see what cap did over here or something like not even a mention right now they feel like two separate universes almost speaking of which you know what would have been really cool is if they did like a rosario dawson scene just to make doug happy They've got that whole. To be fair, too, uh, Star Lord did say that he doesn't go back to Earth because that's where his mom died. So something's going to have to maybe either bring them there or bring the Marvel Universe out. All of them. 
Well, I mean, we know it's going to tie in because we know they're in the Infinity series. And obviously, Gamora and Nebula are Thanos' daughters. So that was my favorite character beat, their story in this one. I loved it. I love the, the sister story. I thought it was great. I didn't know that was, uh, and I'm going to probably mess up her name right Karen now. Karen Gilliam. Karen Gilliam, yeah. She was one of the, I know you wanted to talk about this at some point, but we don't have to go there right now. She was one of the uh, Doctor's companions in Doctor Who. And so I'm a huge fan of Karen Gilliam. I could not even recognize her in the first one until this one. I thought she did a really face. good job. Yeah, the blue face. I'm looking forward to seeing how that storyline plays out. I mean, Thanos obviously has to die, right? Yeah. Or escape. Yeah, probably escape, I think. They're not going to throw away one of their biggest cards that they've built up to you. I don't think they're going to do it how they did it in the comics. It's too perfect, and I don't think the Russo brothers are going to steal it because it's one of the it's one of the most iconic scenes in Marvel Comics. Do you know what happens? No. So, And I thought they were building to it in the second Avengers movie when Cap moves Thor's hammer. But basically, Thanos kills almost everybody. Cap picks up Thor's hammer and fucking wrecks him. Nice. Cap being the only other person that's that's worthy. It's. I mean, it's done. I'm not doing it justice right now. It's done really well in the books. But yeah, Cap fucking. Yeah. Cap picks it up and wrecks him. I think they still are alluding to that. You though. think so? I think so. I don't know if they'll use it entirely in the same fashion, but you could see when they have Thor like heartbeat stop, just like, how the hell did he partially move that? I think they'll use it, at least in some fashion. Well, let me ask you this, because before this movie, we saw the Thor Ragnarok trailer. You see Mjolnir get shattered. Is that a hammer that can be rebuilt, reforged? I'm assuming it can, because it's so fucking critical to the character. Yeah. I don't see why it wouldn't be able to. We know that Odin's not technically dead, right? It could be rebuilt, I think. Yeah, dad's alive, but mom's definitely dead. Yeah. Yeah, Rene Russo bit the dust. But fucking Loki's back. Loki is back. I mean, Jeff Goldblum is also now a part of the Marvel Universe. I mean, how could you not be excited about that? I saw him in the credits of Galaxy. Did you notice him? Yeah. When they were doing the the dancing, very near the end, he had his own bubble fucking getting his groove on. The only person, I think, from Ragnarok that was in the Galaxy credits. That could be a semi-tie-in, I guess. We also got another Howard the Duck appearance. Gunn must have something for Howard the Duck because that's... (laughs) That's two two movies and two Howard the Duck appearances. One of the most hated Marvel characters, I would say. Yeah. So was that a... First of all, it was completely fucking non-essential, right? Com- oh, yeah. Just like the first cameo this- was, yeah. <laughs> so is that his fuck you to fans? Like, hey, I'm doing what I want? Yeah. Or... I think it's just taking a character that's hated and or so unknown and putting it in a scene in a way that's like, ah, I see what you did there. <laughs> I think it's a fun little tribute. I don't think he's kind of saying, you know, fuck you, I'll do what I want. I think it's just a fun little tribute. God, even the dialogue was fucking terrible. Terrible. On on purpose, though, right? (laughs) I have to think so. (laughs) I liked it, though. I I definitely look forward to seeing it again. Um, Sorry I don't have more wonderful observations. I still haven't really had time to digest it. but uh... That's okay. First impressions is all we were after here. Yeah. I have been like replaying it over and over in my head, though, and I still think it's just as good or better than the first one. Visually, it was amazing. Oh, yeah. Some Although the special effects are great. Like almost everything was in like the rainbow color palette. 
That's how it felt like Star Trek, the planet yeah. they were on. They, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know. You guys, I, I don't think you guys got the same vibe that I did. But halfway through the movie, I was like, this is like a really good fucking episode of Star Trek. Yeah. Paramount, that's how you make a fucking Star Trek movie right there. <laughs> if you're paying attention, which you're not. So I know you guys do this, and I don't want to take over your show. No, we should have done it at the beginning, but now's an appropriate time as ever. Okay, perfect. I don't know what you guys call this, your segment or whatever. So uh, what are you drinking, Tyler? I'm drinking the proboscis? 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 Proboscis. It could be a silent C. I don't think it is, though. All right. Proboscis Galaxy. It's an American pale ale. It is 5.8% alcohol by volume, so it's not super heavy. It's 60 IBUs, which, if you guys don't know, international bitter units. And it's by Four Noses. So Four Noses is a brewery that... Eric really loves, especially their raspberry wheat. And I haven't had an American pale ale in a while, but holy cow, this is tasty. It really is. And not only is it, I'm sure, the highest IBU beer that Eric has drank on Project Challenge, but he also picked this beer out. So thank you. I did, and I didn't even think about it at the time that we were going to be talking about Guardians of the Galaxy, but you know what? That's how fucking smooth I am. I do shit that's cool and don't even know about it. Fucking crossover event. Yeah. Unconsciously, we love four, uh, four Noses. I think I've had three of their beers, and all of them are great. In fact, uh, they might be joining us sometime very shortly on uh, on the podcast. You can say that now. I can? Okay. Yes. <laughs> have you guys talked to them already? Yeah. We have, yeah. Wow. In fact, you can probably tell the theme here. The can, Four Noses, Proboscis <laughs> is the nose, and that's actually a reference to the four family members that started the brewery. I think that's really cool. Yeah, so they'll be coming on PC. I want to come with you guys. Sure, we can make that happen. You know, I know the guy that runs Project Challenge pretty well. It'll be on that calendar for that one thing (laughs) that we're not talking about yet. Hey, you know the coolest thing was when my phone lit up 15 minutes before I was supposed to be at the theater because I got my calendar notification. And I was like, oh, this is great. And I can just set that to however long I need it beforehand. Yep. So it works perfectly. It's going to be crucial, especially for Eric in particular, that we stay organized. So... Well, yeah, and the good thing is any of us can put events on that. And instead of having to ask each other, we can just throw it on there and be like, hey, guys, I threw this on at this date. That's the idea. Yeah. I know it's a little anal, but it's so helpful. Yeah. Well, we were going to set one up earlier, and because we're now using Exchange, it works out so much better. I don't know about you guys, but as soon as I saw the David Hasselhoff picture, (laughs) I knew Hasselhoff would be in the movie. (laughs) No, No question in my mind. I knew Gunn. I was like... He's setting us up for a cameo down the road. I didn't know how it was going to happen, but I knew Hasselhoff would appear somehow. So Eric did ask me one question about the movie, and I didn't know the answer. Did you see Rosenbaum? Did you notice his character? Rosenbaum's in it, dude. I saw him in the credits, and I was like, where the fuck was Rosenbaum at? I I would be cheering as soon as I saw Rosenbaum hit the screen, and I did not see Michael, so I'm going to have to look it up. I don't remember seeing him. I don't either. If I had to guess, I'd say he was one of the Ravager crew. Almost maybe one of those six at the end, and so he could potentially become a bigger part of one of the next movies. Well, him and Gunn, I was telling Doug on the car ride on the way home, are really good friends. Because that is the one thing we talked about. Where the fuck was Rosenbaum? That's the only thing that we talked about in the car. Because, you know, I'm a huge fan of Rosenbaums. Speaking of the Ravager crew... (laughs) taser face <laughs> that was so uh I, I i thought that gag was was really well done too and <laughs> when he calls 
hey, I'm going to give you this, you know, this location. Tell him that taser phase. <laughs> yeah, that was, oh, God, that was probably one of my favorite parts. What was it, two-hour runtime? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Two hours, two minutes after the fifth stinger. So, folks, if you are listening and you haven't seen this yet, which is a bad idea because we've completely spoiled the movie for you. <laughs> you got this far. Don't fucking leave until you see the Marvel logo at the very end of the credits. That's a good rule of thumb for any Marvel film. Five was a little excessive. I thought they paced it out well, just like the whole movie. I thought they paced it well, too. And the first one was really quick. Yeah. It was like, what, a minute after they flashed the uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy will return, which I thought was very awesome. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure when the first time that was used, but I think it's Superman, right? Superman will return. At the end of the first Superman movie, yeah. I'm pretty sure it scrolls across. Superman will return. In the era before a post credit stinger was even thought about. I don't know that. I'll look it up and I'll have it for you guys uh, on Project Challenge 11 or whatever it's going to (laughs) be. I'll find out what the first teaser like that is. Oh, no, I know what it is. It's James Bond. James James Bond Bond will return in something. Was it after Goldeneye? Oh, I think it's after like um, Goldfinger. Uh, One of the the old ones. Yeah. But anyway, I thought that was really classy. I saw it coming as soon as it flashed the Guardians of the Galaxy. I was like, where's the will return right there? So that was great. I liked the 70s-esque credit sequence. I know we've been talking about logos and fonts this whole week. When I saw that credit sequence, I almost leaned over to you and was like, that's what I want right there. That's what I fucking want. I was I, thinking it. You know I was. I want, that to, I want everything to look like that. Like, that's that's perfect. What, you know. What would we want a logo for, Eric? <laughs> Man, I don't know. We, uh, just, we just like logos for things. I like pictures of everything and logos. Tyler likes pictures of everything, including shit I discovered this week. (laughs) I'm just not bothered by it. You know when Drax was like, you humans sure have your hang-ups. Yeah, Tyler Tyler and I made eye contact after that one because... What what was his one line? I have unreasonably large turds or whatever. That was fucking great. Famously large. Famously large turds. That that was it. Thank you. Uh, That was a great sequence. All the space stuff was shot really well. They didn't take time to reintroduce you to the characters, which I hate when they do that. They went right into the team, and I love it. You hate when they don't take time to reintroduce characters? No, I want to go right into it. I hate it when they take time and reintroduce everybody. Sorry. Yeah, we've obviously seen the movie, the first one. And if you haven't, why the hell are you watching Volume 2? That's Movie Making 101 is don't make the assumption that someone who is watching this knows anything walking into it. You should be able to do a movie with anyone who sits down to watch it cold. I don't know. I'm with Eric on this. If they had taken even two minutes on every character to reintroduce them, I would have been bothered by that. If you notice what he did instead, because you can still do it, you just do it subtly throughout the opening first act of the movie. that's exactly what he did. Right. He played story beats up to the point where it reminded you of things from the first film and things that had happened, but he didn't hit you over the head with it. Gunn's a masterful screenwriter. No problem with the way he writes or shoots his films. And I'm glad Marvel gives him the freedom to obviously do whatever he wants. I don't think he made many compromises on that flick. At least if he did, they didn't show up on the screen. Maybe one of my things that I appreciate most about it is it seemed like someone who got free reign to do exactly what he wanted to do. And I think that's what we saw. I definitely agree. I want to bring up something that I just thought about since we were talking about logos and the 70s theme. I'm bringing this back full around to why I totally believe that we're going to see Guardians of the Galaxy in Ragnarok, because they threw that retro 80s into Ragnarok. I think that's a stretch, drawing a parallel between those two. You are, you are Mr. Fantastic right now. We'll see. I'm fucking... <laughs> 
And that font was one that Eric and I had in fucking Paint Shop Pro in the fucking 80s. I hate that metallic font. I love it. I love it, too. <laughs> it's, oh, my God. I love it so much. When I see it, it reminds me of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. It just pops for me. I think they're using it ironically, which I think is my problem with it. It's the same reason I can't stand the line. This is also a spoiler that Thor delivers when he sees Hulk in the trailer. I know him from work. That turned my stomach the first time I saw that when I watched the trailer. See, and I love Not that really line. looking forward I to it. It was great. I thought yeah. it was a great line. Yeah. yeah. Well, I thought it was really good. I think I'm dead on. I think you guys are going to just be like, wow, Tyler saw so much of this coming. He blew us away with his logo recognition. I mean, I also predicted that we'd see the Guardians in Ragnarok a couple months ago, but it was not based on the fonts or the logos from the movie. Totally. That's why. Why would they do it ironically? Why would they do that? I don't know. I guess we're going to have to watch the movie and find out. I think it's because they're going to bring in some good old Guardians. I think if the Guardians show up in this movie, that doesn't necessarily validate your theory. (laughs) Still stretching. They're going to show up with a bunch of 80s music from the Zune. Sorry to jump around, but going from Guardians to the Galaxy, before we move on... We need a rating. We need ratings. And thank you, Tyler, for setting up this bit. I appreciate it. Oh, no problem. You're welcome. I would probably give this a four. <laughs> I'm going to go with a 4.4. 4. Nice. Double fours. Double fours. Double fours for that one. That's a good rating for me. Double fours for four noses. Yeah. Four noses for fours. Double noses fours. That's, fours. A, that's the highest rating I think I've ever given a beer on the cast. I'm going to go with a 4.44. 4. Oh, 4.44. 4. Nice. <laughs> well, I almost went with a 4.444, 4. 4. 4, but... You should have. <laughs> Repeating, of course. <laughs> yeah. Infinity. Yeah, it's, fuck that shit. For the infinite galaxy. Tyler, what were you talking about earlier when you said, I know you want to talk about this, and then you made a Doctor Who reference. What do I want to talk about with Doctor Who? Why would I possibly want to talk about Doctor Who? That's what I want to know. You brought it up at some point, and you said we need to talk about it at some point. Doug and I were going to talk about aren't how... fans of it. How we have never even been... Uh, exposed isn't the right word, but like... Considering the variety of geeky shit Doug and I like, and we like a bunch of different shit, and we like a bunch of different movies, but like a bunch of different TV, we have never had the desire to sit down and watch it. And I'm not trying to speak for you, but I think you feel exactly the same way. I tried to watch one episode with Nikki, and it didn't hook me. And what I was particular done. episode? And that was within the last year. He's on Jessica The Leftovers Jones. now. Oh. That's the only place I know him from. He was the doctor before... Peter Capaldi, the newest guy? No, because that was... Matt Smith was before Peter Capaldi, and David Tennant was Is before Je- Matt Smith. Not Jessica Jones' bad guy, right? No. Okay, so that's the, what, the 6th Doctor, or the 19th Doctor, the 47th Doctor? Who fucking knows? There's only 12 right now, so... He's... David Eccleston? Yes, it's him. Okay, yeah. the guy from G.I. Joe. Is he in G.I. Joe? Is he Destro? Yeah. God, Destro. That guy played Destro, too? The guy that I thought was Spud. That's Destro. Yeah. Okay. Well, if it's Eccleston, that's him. Yeah, it is. Because I thought it was Spud from Trainspotting, if you've seen that movie. I have. Oh, I can see why you might think that. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, he's grown up so much. What the heck? And then I looked it up and it was Eccleston. I was like, how did I not recognize him? So even my wife tried to get me into Doctor Who. And like I said, I gave it one episode and it didn't stick. Eccleston is... A lot of people's least favorite doctors. And so what's interesting about Doctor Who is you get kind of a different... Nothing. (laughs) 
a different play on the character, even though it's a continuation, whatever. I don't care. If you want, I can pick out one episode, and I think it would hook you, and I think you'd want to rewatch. Some I of only it. want a, you to pick an episode from the Doctor with the, the, the scarf. scarf. <laughs> I knew he was gonna fucking say that. <laughs> But I don't know why, like, I've given every other bit of famous sci-fi an honest-to-God shot, and I haven't liked all of it. There's nothing in me that makes me want to sit down and watch Doctor Who. What do you know about it? I know that there's... I know it, it seems very British, and it seems very boring. I think that it's the very British part that I'm adverse to. Well, that's what I was going to ask. you guys like any British comedy? Comedy? Yeah. I have... as much as I love Canadian comedy. No. I have a passing interest in Monty Python. Never really got into that, though. I hate Abfab. I know a lot of people that like that. I fucking hate Red Dwarf. I tried that one, too. It can fucking die a, a slow death as far Never as I'm Never seen concerned. Dwarf. I love Abfab. Yeah, I don't know. Dwarf is one of those that is... They do have a lot of very absurdly dry humor. And Dwarf takes that to a whole new level. Like, in a not a good level. Like, most people are like, why would you watch British comedy? Because it's dry and stupid. And I'm like, no, it's actually really clever. I like Spaced. Yeah. Spaced was uh, fucking awesome. I mean, I know it's Edgar Wright, and that's an exception. But the British office wasn't horrible. And I know this is unpopular. The American office is so much better. (laughs) And there's British people right now unsubscribing from this podcast. (laughs) I don't think we have any British subscribers yet. So we may be safe on that front. I mean, a magic phone booth is cool if Bill and Ted are riding around in it. I don't think whatever the fucking T-Box. what's box, the difference? It's a police box. The enemies, the silver-looking things, like, that is the least intimidating enemy I've ever seen in my life. The Daleks? <laughs> or that... the Cybermen? Those sound like Power Rangers enemies. <laughs> I always thought it was pronounced Dalek, but yeah, Eric's talking about the thing that looks like a, a vacuum cleaner with arms. Yeah, definitely. The Daleks, like the plunger on the front and everything. Yeah, like, who the fuck is... But there were enemies in the original Star Trek that were like a man in a mask that's scarier than those things. And could move faster. (laughs) I don't get it. I'll be the first to admit, I don't get it. I don't know if I want to, man. It's kind of like country music. You know, I I know it's there. God, nothing like country music. You just, like, grated my ears with the sound of you saying country music. I know a lot of people that I love and respect and hang out with that love the show. But no one ever tries to uh, to force it on you, and that's no. one of my favorite things about it is it's not Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> they don't try and jam it down your throat Everyone. over and over yeah. and over. Or fucking Hamilton. And over. Like, I don't want to watch Hamilton. And over. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll never try to force it on you guys, but if you do want to watch an episode just to see. No, it- I don't. I always assume the reason people didn't try and force it on me is because they knew ah, this really isn't that good. No, it's amazing. It's actually probably my favorite show you and i've been friends for four years and you've never tried to force it on me no because i think because you know what i like and while like, you were oh. awake ah uh, yeah <laughs> doctor who was just in my ass <laughs> sorry god i could tell it's been a long fucking day <laughs> eric got really specific really quick yeah it's uh what have we been recording for seven fucking hours today oh yeah where are we at because if we've got i'm I'm sorry, guys. 30, 45 minutes of good stuff. We can call it a night. I'm exhausted. We oh. got done what I wanted to accomplish. We've already done another goddamn episode. Hey, you know what? Whatever. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world, guys. I might be tired right now, but I had a lot of fucking fun today. Same. Oh, shit. I can't see my fucking clothes because I don't have my phone or my laptop. You're going to have to make it up fucking bit style. What? Yeah. What do I usually say? 
Here on Project Challenged, we like all sorts of feedback and other bullshit, so please follow us on our Twitter page and also check us out on Facebook or wherever the fucking else you get shit from. I'm Eric G. Hollis. That's Doug and Tyler. We're fucking out. <laughs>